anyone and everyone. Welcome to Have You Heard About This Case. My name is Sam. And my name is Kelly. Today we have the privilege and the excitement to interview Amy Price, General Manager of the Cecil Hotel, for 10 years. If you haven't yet listened to our coverage on her new book, Behind the Door, I highly recommend you check out episodes 48 and 49, which is our coverage on the hotel, and it's many instances of true crime. We're so happy you're joining us, Amy, and it's very, very cool to us and a lot of our listeners. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for reading my book. Oh, my Oh, we gosh. loved it. I'm glad you yeah. did. It, it, it always feels so good to hear when people have read it and they're interested in the story and they say they enjoyed it. I just, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Absolutely. I was given it as a gift. I was gifted it for Christmas and I, we drove back from West Virginia nine hours and I finished the book in nine hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, there sure is a lot of action in there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I had to text, <laughs> I had to text my mother-in-law uh, that <laughs> one of the guests was Climbing up to his room like Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, she couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, all of that is real. I mean, that's that's the part where it's like, I mean, I include a lot of highlights, but there's so much more, you know. I mean, those are just like the, you know, the things that come to mind that have to be in there. But yeah, there was uh, a lot of things that happened over there. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, it, it was truly, it, it was a wild ride. So I can't imagine being in it. And we have questions to that effect, but we first like to ask kind of like fun stuff and get to know you questions. So we talk a lot about our furry co-hosts. I have a dog and Sam is a cat. Do you have any pets? Oh yeah, I have two uh, chihuahuas, they're brothers and their names are Goose and Maverick. <laughs> and they oh. are 13 and a half years old. And uh, they were all both doing well until recently when my, when my dog has diabetes. So it's been a little mm -hmm. bit of a change around here. But yeah, I have two dogs and uh, they're my buddies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, little shadows. You know, I think you may have mentioned them in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of the me. end. Yeah. 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 Okay. In the beginning, they came to work with me when they were puppies. And, uh, and then it just became a little too uncomfortable because... You know, they were behind like a glass storefront and I just started a question like, can you, you know, anybody slip something in there? You know, you just never know. So, you know, after right. a while, I just stopped bringing them. <laughs> so let's chat a little bit about the Cecil. We're going to chat a little bit about the Cecil and a little bit about whatever you would like. And I thought I'd lead off with, because the Cecil is so kind of prolific, I was wondering if when you took the job, were you interested in true crime or has the Cecil been enough for your interests? No, I mean, not at all. You know, I I don't even watch those like, you know, kind of shows that are like, on the true crime, to be honest with you. I mean, it's just never really mm -hmm. been my thing. So, but when I first started working there, I just, I didn't know about the history at all. I mean, it was way before... Mm -hmm. You know, social media came out and things like that where we would learn a lot faster of, you know, maybe a, a dark history where I was just reporting in to help a friend and like 
So I didn't really get caught up in the history at all when I arrived there. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Because if you read her book, Amy was brought to the Cecil for what was supposed to be a three month job. No, three day. <laughs> three day. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. And then, and then they kept her on until she was elevated to general manager. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was quite a ride. Uh, you know, when I first arrived there, I truly was just, uh, you know, being a creative type, I was just going to be helping a friend just, uh, you know, snack out a mock room for three days. And then, you know, I would have never thought that I would stay on for 10 years. You know, I mean, it, it really is an example of how, you know, your life can change quickly and you don't even know it, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. When did you first have the idea to write the book? And kind of how long did that process take? Well, the book, I have to say, like, you know, within the first um, couple of years, I started, like, setting aside, you know, some notes because, you know, the things that were occurring were things that I just had never experienced before. And they were, in my mind, like, wow, like, you know, got to write this down. So that's that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, once I, I left, I, I really knew that I, I had to write a book. You know, I just, I just couldn't not write about the experience you know because it, it isn't obviously my book isn't based on Elisa Lamb and all that I do cover the case but you know during my experience there there were so many things that occurred that you know you just they, you, I had to share yeah I, I really enjoyed just the the stories and mm -hmm. yeah that it's kind of all-encompassing um and I do have a couple kind of business questions yeah. Um, I'm a business person myself, <laughs> um, so that's just kind of how my brain thinks. Um, but can you explain to me how the long-term leases work? And is it like a yearly renewal or a monthly renewal? No, and most of the tenants that were there when I arrived, they'd been there for quite a long time, with the exception of like some student housing that I participated in uh, when I arrived. Mm -hmm. But the, like the long-term tenants, I mean, they you know, they were in there for the long haul, you know, I don't, I, I, I did not handle like the um, renewals at the beginning or anything like that. But I know that, you know, there's only a certain amount that you can charge for a percentage, like in the city of LA, it's because it is in rent control. So I mean, mm. it would be a long, right. So a building that's, you know, uh, built prior, like a certain age, like, you know, you can't raise the rent more than 3% a year. So there oh. would be no like hikes or anything like that. Okay. Oh, Wow, not like that here in Chicago. <laughs> right, I know. You know, it's a constant battle. You know, if it's a if it's a good uh, rule or not. You know, just because you know, I I know that other cities don't necessarily have it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. As a resident, yeah. that that sounds great. But as uh, a business, not necessarily. Right. Um, and you did you take over for a previous manager that had left, or because well, I, mean, I, yeah, I know yeah. you kind of were stepped into the position and grew into it yes yes and no so when i arrived again my, my role was not to be the manager of the hotel i was really there for three days to do a mock room you know to, you know as a selling point for potential investors so that wasn't a management position at all in fact you know like opposite there was there was a manager on site but when i came on with you know i talk about steve in the book the manager, the guy that brought mm -hmm. me on, you know, yeah. we eliminated the previous managers that were there and we were then running the hotel. So 
basically their positions had been eliminated and then we started to manage the hotel based on like okay you know the renovation you know just changing the rules and then we were also you know opening you know another hotel which was called stay you know at the mm -hmm. time so mm -hmm. so then it was just like you know one team versus like oh this is hotel staff this is you know it's just one team okay interesting um and, and i just was you know from the beginning well, let me just get back to like from the beginning, like, you know, it was a creative role that I was in, but there mm -hmm. was so much to do that it was just kind of like, you know, running around, like you're just handling everything, you know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. not just what color we're going to paint the wall, but like, you know, how we're going to brand ourselves or like a, a lot of things. So, I mean, it, you know, certainly became a lot to manage pretty quickly and there was just no limits of what was left, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It all kind of goes together. Marketing and just the, the yeah just the impression yeah, that you give sales. as a business right yeah i'm not a was sam there is... a lot of employed oh. sorry Go sam. Ahead. i was just gonna say sam is the business-minded one of the two of us uh she's very attuned to that and i i am not as much myself so i've stepped into roles before just like i related to you when i read the book like oh i've stepped into roles before where i was supposed to be here for three days and now i'm running things like who has the visibility to see that you know well in, in my case you know i it is just like you know in my nature is you know, i always take on more work you know just because i you know just like to work you know and like to be busy so you know, a lot, a lot of responsibilities that I was you know, were taking on just because there was just so much to take on, you know, just more and more and more. So when, when I did get promoted to the general manager at that time, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't even really feel like a promotion aside from, you know, just having a, you know, a pretty large title and, you know, a nice office, you know, that was like, you know, mm. uh, looked like the eighties, you know, but I mean, it was a very <laughs> large office, um, you know, with a lot of responsibilities, but it didn't really feel like anything had changed at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely been in similar positions. And I, I felt like I related to that a lot within your book. Um, because I've I've started in small roles that I don't expect to turn into something else. But the work is just there. It just needs to happen. Well, yeah. And then your responsibilities grow and so does your payback, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean that's the way it's it just should kind be. of a, a signature <laughs> at the end. Yeah, yes. When, when, if, if you if do more, you well. should be paid more. Exactly. Um, was there a lot of employee turnover when you were there? Not at all. And, you know, that's just, I mean, another piece of it, you know, is at one point, I mean, we had over 50 employees, um, oh, you wow. know, just depending on, yeah, just depending on, you know, the time of year and, you know, the demand. But the employees that we had there, most of them stayed for years and years and years. I mean, like Pedro, I mean, he's been there for over 35 yeah. years. He's still there, you know, mm -hmm. Um you know, the maintenance and the housekeeping, there wasn't a lot of turnover. It was like truly like a family over there. Like, you know, that was the, I mean, there were so many hard parts, but you know, when it came to say goodbye and close, it was really, you know, just how we all felt. Like I just, just very sad, you know, because it, it, they, they continued to come to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's such a fantastic thing though, to have such a, a dedicated team that, that yeah. is like family. And we, we never really had a lot of money. I'm mean, sure we got you got that vibe or, you know, on the page there, but we never had a lot of money. We were always just trying to survive or like figure out how we were going to survive, you know. So we did, you know, from a management team, we didn't really have a lot, you know, to offer them, you know, aside from, of course, paying them, you know, a fair wage. But like when it came to Christmas parties and things like that, I mean, it was like, you know, we'd, we'd host these dinners like 
Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, and they were just so mm -hmm. grateful. I mean, they, oh. you know, and it's not, it's not much, but that's really all we can do, you know, and I just, I'll never forget those Christmas uh, meals, you know, they were just so special. They all like sit down at one table and, you know, and have this and, you know, yeah. just listen to Christmas music. Yeah. Oh, that's that wonderful family atmosphere that yeah. you're able to cultivate, even if it is with KFC or something, it's, it still is a family atmosphere. Yeah. Well, I, I also think, you know, I mean, we went, all went through a lot over there, you know, just in general, the hotel itself, you know, that, you know, there's, you know, a, a bond there too, just when you go through, you know, a lot of things with employees and, and that, like, you know, it just feels maybe a little different than like your average corporate job, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, I came from a corporate background, so I'm just I can I can definitely tell you that like you know it's a lot different over at the Cecil. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, we're just gonna touch briefly on this because I want to know, or maybe there's no answer to this question, and let me know if that's so. But I was just wondering. How were you able to maintain your distress tolerance through all your experiences as the Cecil? Do you have a, a an idea? Were you able to compartmentalize? Yeah, I mean, I get to ask that question a lot. And I think it really goes along with the question of like, you know, why did I stay or how could I stay or, you know, how could I work in that environment? And, you know, I, I truly think I, I process fear differently than a lot of people, like meeting like, you know, I, I've never really been into locks and, and things like that. Because I think, it you know, it's from my childhood. And I grew up on 10 acres of land. So I didn't even have a mm. house key. So I'm not security driven off the bat. Like, a, there's something wrong here kind of thing, you know. And mm -hmm. there were always so many things to do that you almost just always had to, you know, head on to the next thing, you know. So it was really sure. just like the way to adapt is just to move on to the next fire or, you know, responsibility or something that came up that, you know, was really not a lot of downtime to reflect, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Just um, the things that happened there are some, certainly some of the circumstances affect me. Yes, they, they, they did. But again, like I was, I continue to run a business, you know, and it's a business right. that I kind of felt like I, like I was a part of building, you know, I mean, I, mm -hmm. at least for the, you know, the state portion, I mean, aside from my girlfriend, you know, Cindy, that's also in the book. I mean, we, we designed all of that. So just imagine having that opportunity in your life, you know, how exciting is that? You know, and just trying yeah. to keep it afloat. So, I mean, that was really what I feel that we were trying to do most of the time we were there. Absolutely. And I, you know, we just, Sam, you might agree with me. I just totally relate because Sam and I met at sort of a similar ill-fated job it was yeah. uh, i don't know if i could say it on the air it's closed now it's hamilton the exhibition and it was oh. yeah that's how we met each other and it was intended to be folded down into 60 semi-trucks and trucked around the usa and i don't know why they thought they could do that but we, it was a glorified tent outside and we were getting paid real well. And Sam and I were both supervisors. We felt really committed to it, you know. And we, loved it. we did. And then they came and told us the what like we noticed people like the numbers were dwindling. And then eventually the producer of Hamilton, like the whole thing, he came and we were like, Well, that's probably not good. But we had the same sense. Like I 
I had been there since we were in hard hats at the beginning of them building right. this thing, you know, yeah. and you just, yeah, you want to see your garden grow, you know, you want uh, that to happen. Or it's and, hard to let go of, you know, the reality that it might not work. And there is a point yes. in the season that I, I knew that it was, you know, pretty much over for the hotel and meaning like, you know, there wouldn't be a comeback, you know. But, you know, up until that point, I think that we really tried. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just it just wanted to say how much I respect your resilience for everything you, you, you know, that I just I worked retail and someone did something inappropriate in our fitting room and I couldn't handle that. I was in I read your book <laughs> and I was like, OK, I can handle any day at work now. Yeah. Right. Like any day. Yeah, I was just, I mean, relating to like, you know, other jobs and things. I was talking to someone earlier about the Cecil and uh, I said, geez, you know, I just wait for the day if there is one where I have an interview or something where somebody says, now give me an example of something stressful that happened on the job and how you handle it. <laughs> Back in the day, those are questions that, you know, you thought about, like, you know, how you yeah. answer. And I, I'm just not quite sure how you could truthfully answer and not scare people off you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i you're like i you've got that all ready to go you're like wait i i know exactly what yeah. you're gonna ask because i feel like they still ask that i, uh, yeah. I ask that when i interview people <laughs> yeah. right yeah because you know i mean my the scenarios that i would be able to you know to, to give would be really different than what they're used to hearing but you know i mean i did handle it <laughs> Yeah, it's probably more well. of a, a which one do I choose versus right. trying to come up with, with one, right? Mm. And I yeah. think, I think what you said, like just moving on to putting out the next fire, is a great way to do it. I it, I try to think to myself first things first, and like yeah. okay, whatever's in front of me, let's do that, and then everything else will triage. Yeah, and you know, unlike you know other larger, I mean, the hotel in size is big. The Cecil's huge, you mm -hmm. know. But the staff was, you know, a, a pretty skeleton crew. You know, I mean, I was the manager. We had Pedro, you know, handling maintenance, everything, basically downstairs. You know, like the staff downstairs. So it's like the two of us that were essentially running the whole hotel. And you're like, you know, responsible for the financials, responsible for you know sales, for you know, um, you know guests that are like you know having problems onto yeah. hr issues or you know just cleaning and running the hotel i mean it's it really there's it's it's a full-time job it's a lot of work absolutely yeah i mean usually there's departments for those things but you know we didn't really ever have a lot of resources right but it could also right. be too many cooks in the kitchen for sometimes yeah i mean yeah believe me i had a lot of autonomy there i did enjoy my job a lot because i had a lot of autonomy i was able to make decisions i I really, you know, didn't, you know, have to really check in with anybody else because there wasn't really anyone else to check in with, you know? So that's another right. thing, just constantly trying to figure out how to handle things you've never handled before, you know, because every day was something new. Yeah. Yes. Nothing and... to the extent of that, but that's very, my job like that is, is kind of like that now. It's literally me and the boss who's the CEO and it's the two of us running a company. Um, right. Sometimes it's better that way. Yeah. Well, if you're a good team, if you have a good team, that's exactly that's the only way that you can. That's the only way I was able to work there. And I say that over and over. And no wonder I dedicated my entire book to Pedro, just because there is yeah. no way, 
no way that I could have worked there without him. I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> no. Mm -hmm. uh, I have pushed about that coming up. But speaking of putting out first, speaking of first, first things first, what was it like checking folks into the Cecil prior to requiring ideas, IDs? And bravo to you for instating that policy. Was it any different after? Oh, yeah, a lot different. And, you know, I never, you know, actually worked the front desk. I mean, you would find me mm -hmm. behind the front desk. And I certainly would answer the phones and check in with the guests and, and handle, you know, things behind the front desk. But I wasn't doing the checking in. So that's one thing mm -hmm. I did escape while I was there. I didn't have to work <laughs> the front desk. Uh, so, yeah, there was a major change. And there was, of course, a lot of people that were very upset. You know, mm -hmm. there are people that have been coming in there since the 80s, you know, um, you know, to just come, you know, once a month or whatever it is, like, you know, to, you know, clean off or whatever during that time. That's really kind of what it was, you know. So those people often that were there, they didn't have a, you know, a valid ID. And I just had to constantly reinstall mm -hmm. the, you know, the staff. Like, you know, if someone doesn't have, you know, a valid ID, you know, and it eventually led to a working credit card. But we started with IDs. You know, mm -hmm. we just can't have them here. Like, you got to look at it like, you know, it's it's illegal. We need to know who's in the mm -hmm. building. Like, you know, it's absolutely mm -hmm. whoever is here. We need to have, a, um, you know, a validity on file because we need to know who's here. Yeah. yeah. It's a safety uh, concern. Yeah. If anything happened to the building, you need to be able to to, sure. yeah. to help and identify and, and anything if, if some tragedy were to happen. Sure who's inside yeah and when you know the police do come or you know they, they do have the right to ask for the registration cards and go through every single person that's in house if they're looking for mm. somebody they can actually take that and and go look and you know see if that person is there that's yeah. interesting i didn't know that yeah i happened to be on the job uh, a couple of times you know where there were undercover people that came in and you know i mean we were always cooperative with anybody that would come mm. in with the law of course you know, so he came in my office and just started going through all the registration cards, looking for somebody, you know, and I mean, it, to me, it was like, wow, you know, I mean, right? Just, yeah, yeah, a whole different world out there. Right. Wow. I can't, I can't imagine that. That's, and it, with other things, I, I can't imagine. It's that in the book, um, it was estimated there were at least 80 deaths during your tenure tenure, and did you always have to, I know in the book that you were not like gawking at bodies because that's, you know, not appropriate. And, but I was wondering like what the process of that looked like, like would somebody always have to notify you? Like, could you be at your desk just like doing your job and then somebody would come in and break that terrifying news to you? Yeah. So the, the 80 deaths, you know, I just want to be clear because that is a lot of a lot of people for sure. But that, mm -hmm. I, when I say 80 people, I mean like 80 people, you know, passed away while I was working there. It does not mean that they died in the hotel. There were a lot of people that, you know, that were long-term tenants or people that were tenants or people that stayed in the hotel that left, you know, for medical reasons and never came back. Like a lot oh. of that, you know, like a lot of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not all. I mean, in fact, there wasn't one murder the whole time I was there. And I will try to be clear on that, too. Like, there was mm -hmm. not a murder while I was there. Right. But, you know, a lot of unfortunate um, situations. And, yeah, there, I mean, there's a protocol for that. You know, unfortunately, um, the housekeepers usually run into that situation where they, you know, find Oof. first, you know, and then they notify the front desk and then notify, 
you know, management, of course, you've got to call, you know, you know, the authorities. And so, yeah, there is, there was a protocol for that. And I, I and I do talk about that in the book too, when you asked about foreigners, um, you know, and before I started working at the hotel, I just, I kind of had a vision, like, you know, maybe how people see it on TV and, and stuff, but it mm-hmm. really isn't like that. You know, the people that are driving those vans around, I mean, some of them don't really care, like, you know, that, you know, you're trying to run a business or anything like that, you know? So I, I would often try to run out before they would park in front and say, would you please pull around the back? Um, you yeah. Know, it's just for our business, you know, um, some would, right. some would say, oh, we're already parked. Sorry. Like they didn't care, you know, but. Oh my know, gosh. Like, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, some of them are ruthless, you know? Yeah. Oh man. I guess it just, can just be another paycheck for some people. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anyone feels comfortable with a corner van in front of a hotel or, like, you know, staying yeah. at, checking into, or checking out of, like, you know, it just doesn't yeah. feel right. Yeah, I think it's a pretty understandable request. Yeah, I, oh, I agree. fully agree. I'm, I'm very yeah. close with somebody who's a coroner, and just knowing this person, they're oh, the type of person who immediately pull around back, and, like, and so it just surprises oh. me that it's, like, some people just wouldn't because it's that's a hard job and yeah, you, you do I, need I to be compassionate in that job. Yeah, it's just something that, you know, I, I can't even imagine considering it all. But yeah, it is. Oh. It is. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's just I I just admire your resilience so much because like if I was at my desk doing work and somebody came up to me and was like, we need to pull the corridor around. I would be like, what's happening? And I would, oh, just, just for Well, it happened me. pretty early on, you know, where, you know, somebody had passed away and, you know, I was, you know, I was very alarmed, you know, like, gosh, like mm-hmm. somebody's, you know, like, you know, it was like shocking, you know, and, uh-huh. and you know, Peter told me, you know, oh no, it happens all the time. Though. You know, but it, it, it was, <laughs> They're really hard to wrap your head around. Again, you know, most, I mean, a lot of it, you know, is, you know, mental health, you know, of course, drug use, and then, you know, people that were really mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on a, on a happier note, how, how is Pedro? I loved the epilogue ending of your book where he returns to the hotel. Does, does he still work for the building? I read yeah. that in 2021, it reopened as housing for low-income folks. Yeah, no, he still works there. And I still go to the Cecil as much as I can to pick him up for lunch. Like, you know, on mm-hmm. average now, I'd say it's about once a month, maybe maybe a little longer just because, you know, we're a bit all busy. But, um, yeah, I still see Pedro all the time and, you know, we're in close contact. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they are starting to uh, fill it up with, you know, homeless people. And uh, that is, in fact, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's probably good considering the location it opened in. Hopefully, folks nearby can can afford that and can stay there. Yeah, I'm not involved with the politics of that at all, so I really can't speak to you know the reality yeah. of politics. Yeah, I just I loved your imagery in your writing of him, you know, walking back in to the Cecil as you were in the car. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I, I know you said you like put aside a lot of notes and I do that in my life too. And I'm like, maybe there's a book inside me now too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what would you like to see 
the Cecil become in the future? If you kind of had your own way with everything, what would you like to see it be? Oh, I, I would have loved at one point to see it actually be, you know, a successful hotel. You know, I mean, the, the hotel, you know, has obviously a lot of history, but, you know, where it started is where most things did start downtown, you know, by a train station and by a bus station and city hall down the down the road, you know. So, I mean, that is old school Los Angeles, you know, and I at one point thought maybe, you know, the Cecil would have that opportunity. But I, unfortunately, I just don't think that it's in the cards, you know, and I think, you know, with host, um, home, housing the homeless people, you know, it's probably a good start of correcting, you know, an ongoing problem downtown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that were to ever happen and it were to become a, another grand hotel in its future, if you were asked to come back, would you? Oh, I don't know. I think, I think the ship sailed on that. I mean, I, I would definitely have to have, you know, a great understanding of what the plan was and all of that, but hmm. I I don't think so. I just I don't think it would be the same. You know, the time that I was there and you know how times have changed. I don't I just don't, I don't think it'd be the same. So probably not. I was you know since reading the book I've been captivated, but I can't stop. It's like I'm turning it over and over in my head, and I'm wondering: Do you still often think about the woman behind the door? Because I, I can't imagine witnessing it, having just read it. Uh -huh. Yeah, I do. Actually, I have, a, you know, a couple of photos of her that I show, you know, the people that I know, just because she was real. I mean, she was a real mm -hmm. person. And her life um, just really, it's really beyond words, you know, how it all happened and and where mm -hmm. she ended up. Uh, it's, it's something that's really hard to shake, you know, and Peter and I talked about that quite a bit, too, you know. How we yeah. could even find her, like because once you know she left, you know, in that ambulance, no one ever even came by to even ask about her, which I I think is also odd, you know. Yeah. I mean, to be, you know, to be found, you know, next to a, a dead man, you know, and you know, I'm guessing, you know, off to a mental hospital, and mm -hmm. no one ever came back to collect her stuff. Not that there was anything to collect, but how would they have known that, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think that's, that's bizarre that you almost like she really almost be forgotten if I hadn't written about her. And, you know, maybe I, there's a slight chance that somebody will get a, a hold of the story and it will answer some questions for them, you know, because I yeah. certainly I still do not know who she was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't, like, I can't imagine tracking her down with, you know, with Mr. Channing and such bulking at the idea of her presenting an ID it's it's you know very little to go on yeah but very but a lot to think about <laughs> yeah i i really he, i know that i i know very little about him aside from what i i do know what was in the file but i do know that he he, he was a, a vet for sure um mm -hmm. and I, he left every day between eight thirty and 4 and he came back with that bag of food every day so I don't know where he went oh. during the day either because I know he wasn't working. I, I don't know if he went to like maybe some sort of VA resource center or I mean, mm. who knows, maybe he had another whole family. I, it's the whole thing with him is yeah. a mystery, really, you know, and, and there's no yeah. idea in her, you know, and I mean, red flags everywhere, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't even know where to start, you know, the woman didn't even have any clothing, you know, I mean, yeah. I not a stitch of clothing. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. We focused um, our episodes after reading your book um, kind of about this because we find it very interesting um, just kind of a lot of the, the uncertainty of what really was happening between these two. Um, and I'm curious, kind of getting into some of the details, what was the size of their room? All the rooms at the Cecil are, are very, very small, and most of them do not have a bathroom. So most of the rooms are on average about 120 square feet, very small. Oh, wow. So that's, mm-hmm. that's like yeah, that's very small. 12 by 12-ish. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and there weren't any kitchenettes. Um, you know, so that would just be a bed and nightstand and a dresser with, in most of the cases, like an old TV that's like bolted down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned in the book that there was previously a phone call that Pedro mentioned of somebody calling from Asia saying that there was her, their mother was being held hostage. Do you believe that this is in relation to that room? It's just such a strange story, you know, I mean, honestly, just because, of course, you know, it kind of, you know, kind of goes along with this woman and who she might have been, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess the call said that, you know, she, you know, the mother was trapped in the basement. Well, where their room was at the hotel, it was like, an, in like inside it, like a, a tower, because there's three towers, you know, in the Cecil, it's shaped like an E. So, you know, if you were on, you know, inside the you know, the E, it could appear to be like darker or like a dwelling spot, I suppose, if you have the shades drawn and like, you don't know where you are. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we'll ever know if that truly is the case. But, you know, I, I, I just feel sad for, for the person that, you know, that I, I feel sad all around about all of it, to be honest with you. And, and yeah. how would we ever know if that was real, if that was about her? We'll never know. Yeah, I had to, we recorded a two-parter on it and I messaged you after we recorded the first part which just was kind of context on the Cecil and that kind of stuff but when I went to record part two which is just the woman behind the door story I turned the mic on early before Sam and I uh usually do and I was like I just feel like I really need to capture my genuine reaction to this which was rattled i just i had gone re i had gone over everything again i had read the chapter again and i was just like i don't often get rattled but this is just such a mystery and so so sad for everyone involved you know yeah and i I mean i really did try to help her i mean i i go through Mm -hmm. that well but i mean i did contact these agencies and that's you know this is another takeaway for me you know coming from the Cecil is that a lot of people or most people would assume that if you have a problem you're going to just call 911 if you have a problem and you know like you know like call animal control call these people and like they're mm-hmm. going to handle it and I mean that's something that really was just not the case you know with her because I truly tried to help her not even mention like I would go up there and knock on the door and be on the other side when I knew he was not there and tell her it's safe to come out like I try, you know, it's just that mm-hmm. nothing seemed to work, you know, so that's why I talk about the Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Like, is that what it was? Like, did she just learn how to adapt and navigate to what her life became? Because, I mean, she didn't, again, she didn't have any clothes, you know, I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. guessing the bag of food he'd bring up and the 
afternoons was for her, but sure wasn't anything special, you know, um, and she never got outside. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I just wonder that day when she was, you know, rolled out in that stretcher. I mean, did her eyes like, I mean, did you see that movie room? I mean, something similar to that. Like you haven't been outside right. your life. You haven't seen, you know, the sunshine, you know, I mean, I'm sure it could be painful. Yeah. 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 Um, and that you kind of alluded to this, um, I think with your answer here, but what is your gut, your gut feeling about the situation in that room, whether it was a a kidnapping or a hostage or mental health or or something else? Well, Mr. Channing, you know, was there for many, many, many years. So, I mean, I obviously had 10 years experience with him and, you know, he was, Mm -hmm always a very gruff man. I, I'm not sure how well he was, you know, again, we never got any report on how, you know, he was doing, you know, but right. I I do think that he some, I think that he, he, he abducted her in some, in some way. I don't know. I don't know how he got, I, how it all happened, but you know, there were many different stories that never added up. Like when, you know, I would call some of these people, sometimes he would like call her a sister and then it's a wife. Like, you know, I mean, again, like red flags, you know, and she never <laughs> seemed to say anything at all. Like in some, in some cases, I wasn't even sure if she even spoke any English because mm-hmm. she really I was wondering that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we did have, um, you know, people that came in towards the end to try to relocate some of the tenants because, you know, the changes were on the horizon and they were mm-hmm. trying to help her as well. Like, you know, and just never got real far, like, you know, where they thought they were making headway and they were going to go out and get her some clothes and, you know, yeah. he was going to meet her in the lobby, like, you know, and they'd go together and it was a no show, no show, no show. Like he never, ever showed up to follow through with any of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, we, in, in part two, I'm editing it right now, but we, we detail everything that you, that you did. And I, I truly think that you did everything in your power to help. I mean, the picture. Yeah, yeah, the picture that definitely. I have of her is haunting. I mean, she's laying in bed under a sheet. Um, there's a box of cheese nips close to her, an empty toilet paper roll, and she's smiling and she doesn't have any teeth. Oh, wow. And that's and that's what her life was like. She never got to a doctor. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. if she, you're thinking all those years, you know, I mean, never saw right. a doctor, of course not a dentist, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I in your book, I... I snatched the line and said it on the podcast when I was talking about the perhaps Stockholm syndrome that she had when I said, um, you know, the only person she had seen for this whole time was Mr. Channing. And that that alone, I mean, that social isolation, we all just experienced that uh, in a small way with the pandemic. But this is 30 years yeah, that, yeah, at one point he added that dog, you know, in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, he was, it was a lot to handle, Mister Mister Channing. Uh, but when he added that dog, I mean, that dog never even had a leash. I mean, you guys are, you know, pet owners. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. of course, I called animal control because you know, and then yeah, animal yeah. control came by and they, you know, requested that he, you know, walk the dog. He walked the dog with a rope one day with a rope, and then oh. that was the last I ever saw the dog. So I don't even know what happened Poor to dog. the dog. Right. Oh my God. That's yeah, like and he would bark all day long. You just know he's furious. He's trapped in this room. You know, I mean, that's yeah. not what how animals should be living. You know, and even like you know, yeah, people. Yeah, 
Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. People, but also as like a pet owner that must have hurt your heart. Like what is happening in here? And I, you know, I really, exactly what's happening. And I, I'm really bad at letting things go. So I've been churning it over and over since I've been reading the book. What about you? Have you been able to let go of her or have you still been thinking about what Pedro encouraged you to do? Like, track down who she is or was we still talk about it i mean we still talk mm. about it i mean it's it's just such a haunting story if you really yeah. process what the reality is it's not oh you know she might have been there for a few years no i mean she was there for many many years you know in without clothes and without medical care and i don't know what the circumstances were but you know, it's it's something that's really that's why I called it behind the door. You know, the mm-hmm. whole book is be called because of her. You know, and I'm glad that you guys picked up on on that story because it is a big one. It it was I like I sound just like this halting and like nervous right now cause, just because I'm talking to you and I I think you're great, but in the <laughs> when I was doing the episode, I was just like, this really happened. This is haunting and chilling and like we do true crime episodes all the time but not in this vein like uh, but it's still just as haunting because because this all happened and i'm sure she's still alive you know i mean i i'm just guessing you know that she that she there's a good chance that she could still be alive and like where, where do they take her like where is she you know i mean how can you track her down like you know, to, to question it, you know, once again, you know, now that he's not here, I, you know, right. I, mean, I don't know. I think that would be the tricky part of actually trying to find, you know, where they took her. Cause you know, there's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that would be easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet it, you know, may be difficult even to get her to, to speak because I know, like you said, you did, several wellness checks knocking and calling when she was in the room alone and she still did not speak so so goodness knows even if you found her you there might not be anything new well aside from maybe you know trying to figure out who she was like you know before she got over to the cecil you know Mm -hmm. what her life was before right did she have one? You know, I, yeah. I mean, it's hard to even gauge what her age is, you know, just because, you know, I think I talk about her hair like Marge Simpson, but if you think about it, mm-hmm. if you're just laying in bed all day long, you know, just, it, I guess that would happen, you know, that mm-hmm. woven look of, yeah. you know, that Marge carried, you know? Yeah. So to get a little more specific, I'm just wondering because I, it, your descriptors were really good about Mr. Channing's room. And I was wondering, did the neighbors ever complain about like an odor or perhaps the cockroaches? Well, see, most of the, the tenants at the Cecil were on floors two and three. And we didn't have a whole, mm-hmm. whole lot of them towards the end, you know, at all. So they mm-hmm. weren't like crowded, you know, next to each other at all. So I can't say that, you know, Mr. Oh. Channing had like tons of neighbors that were like, you know, thrilled or unthrilled with his behavior, uh, you know, he did create a problem, you know, with the cockroaches. Uh, and that's because of how he lived. And, you know, I worked directly with the health department where, I mean, I mm-hmm. called the health department on him, you know, to, to mm-hmm. correct the behavior. Because, I mean, that's almost unheard of if you're thinking about like a hotel, 
to call a health department to get, you know, a correction made, you know, yeah. but that's, that's what I had to do or else, you know, that was the only way, to, you know, to try to get them on track. Right. And you had to do so many things that you don't expect to be in your job description as a hotel. In addition to calling the health department, you know, like appearing in court, all, tons of stuff. Yeah, that, that one case with uh, Mr. Channing, you know, because he did take me to court because he, you know, to oh, be honest, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't like me because I was on to him. I was, you know, I was <laughs> making him follow rules or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, change things because it was not okay with me. You know, so mm-hmm. he took that as harassment and he, you know, got tried to get a restraining order on me, you know, and mm-hmm. that was really something else too to be, you know, down there in downtown Los Angeles in a room with people that are battling a lot of parts like domestic violence and here I am with you know a, a tenant at the Cecil because he doesn't like the notices I'm, I'm putting on his door <laughs> right wow yeah I find that interesting too yeah. if this is in fact him kidnapping her and and holding her hostage that he would get the courts involved in any way well I mean her her name's not on the paperwork it was just between the two of us he served me directly like you know, in the lobby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that goes back to, I'm not sure how well he was, you know, I just found him, you know, for the most part, really, really grouchy, you know, obviously um, real off, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't normal by, by any means, you know, and just, uh, you know, just a real strange person, you know, with obviously some secrets. And that's mm-hmm. a thing to know, like with a lot of the tenants, you know, the demographic of a lot of the tenants that lived there. I mean, they were loners, you know, they didn't have families that came to visit them. Like, you know, there wasn't mm-hmm. people visiting them unless, you know, maybe they were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, aside from mm-hmm. that, they were, you know, for the most part, loners. Mm-hmm. That's, that's sad and, and fascinating. I find it fascinating from a sociological point of view, like um, this gathering of this these type of people and it does it just makes me sad that i know you said that some tenants you know nobody ever even came to pick up their things and it's just like oh. you you don't want to think of that happening to someone you know well, i talked to several family members after they passed on you know and then they just told me just disregard after just discard everything which you know oh. to be fair there probably wasn't a lot of valuables anyway but that mm-hmm. really was, you know, a common response is, you know, we're not coming, you know, just bag it up. Wow. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned in your book that you had somebody come in basically once a month for pest control and fumigating. Did you have issues with other tenants not wanting to leave their apartments no. during this process? No, it was it was only Mr. Manning. And the reason if you think about it, the reason why because she didn't leave you know he did leave mm-hmm. but he, he couldn't get her out of there he didn't he chose to not cooperate because of her so right you know we had to treat his room differently because you can't spray you know if somebody's present so we would mm-hmm. you know we would treat the room with the um you know the gel on the baseboards in the fumigator i knew him well you know he said that every time he went back there and it was always removed wow so that's another thing that's just interesting to me because if he left it there, maybe they you they would need to stop coming. They wouldn't be necessary to come oh, and no, treat it's, it over it's and over. It's necessary for a building like that. You have to Is constantly it... treat it just to you know to make sure it's maintained. You have to. Does is is it would it have been possible to evict a tenant 
from the Cecil or is does L.A. law like prohibit that? What would that have looked like from from your perspective? Oh, I, I fixed many tenants. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have to, you know, go by the rules, you know, and, and, you know, you know, and give the proper notices and go through the right, you know, take the right steps. And that's exactly what I did. I, I right. to somebody for funding, you know, and I mean, I gave them, you know, many, many chances, but there wasn't any change like, you know, and, mm. you know, so I was, I successfully, you know, evicted um, Spider-Man, you know, for, like, yeah. you know, for, for entering and exiting the building from the exterior. I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, I'm sure hasn't been heard about it before. I mean, you know, know. Suffer for that reason, but that's truly a safety problem, you know, if you can't have someone doing that, you know? Yeah. Right. So really? we had a tenant attorney that we dealt with, you know, for those, um, cases but you know for the most common cases really you know not paying rent right mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah and spider-man was a special case I, i'm not sure if we were recording when it happened i had to call my mother-in-law and tell her right away about you evicting spider-man and he was scaling the building i and i sent her a picture of the cecil like look at this building this man was scaling it like oh lord yeah and when, when the, you know, the police came to, for that eviction, I mean, that, they were all very sad. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not coming across like any of it's fun. Because, it, it, you know, it's it's sad. These are people's lives and it's unfortunate circumstances. But, you know, he walked out in a pair of tidy whiteies. Like, you know, that was all he had on. And just, yeah. just took her right outside the Cecil. I never saw him again. What happened to him? You know, where did he go? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, just right. a, a pair of literal, like, like fruit of the loom, like underpants, like that kind of style. Wow. Yeah. It's so um, sad. So many of them had nothing. Nothing. And he was, you know, he was an interesting case too, because he, he spoke a language that no one could ever um, identify. You know, he was from Brazil, but you know, I mean, when we went to court, the, the judge even said, you know, I, I'm unable to identify a, a language he speaks. Oh yeah. So, I remember oh, wow. that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's different. Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, as I'm sure you definitely. said a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you said yeah. a lot. Yeah. So what would it have taken, um, or did they, did Mr. Channing just kind of not reach that level to potentially evict him for, for not complying with the fumigations and that sort of stuff? Well, Mr. Channing... You know, he might have been grouchy and he, uh, you know, wasn't easy to deal with, but he wasn't stupid. So, you know, anytime that I would, you know, give him a correction, he would, you know, he'd, he'd work with me on it. I can't say do a great job with it, but enough where he didn't get that far, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, with the dog he had, you know, we had a no pet policy where the dog turned into a service animal really quick, you know, and then the dog was gone, yeah. you know, so, you know, it was, there wasn't really any, um, I didn't have a solid case because he was working with me, just not doing a great mm-hmm. job, you know, with the, the fumigation and stuff. But a lot of it, like, you know, he had food in the room. He, even in the summertime, he would have the heat going where it would be like over 90 oh. degrees inside that room, oh, you know. Wow. And so a lot of things that would obviously create, you know, attraction for, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, those are kind of all the questions that we have in regards to Mr. Channing and his unit. Um, but we oh. really want to know what's next for you. 
Well, I, you know, I, I've been working independently since I left the Cecil. You know, after I left the Cecil, I, you know, I did a, a really nice size, you know, apartment um, mm-hmm. remodel that, you know, I enjoyed. And I've been working on residential remodels. That's what I've been doing. So I just work locally here, you know, in West Hollywood where I live. And I've been redoing homes and, and you know, obviously still making jewelry and, you know, just living my life. I've been looking at your earrings this whole time and I love them. So yes. these are new. I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to be launching them soon. I'm going to call them the resort collection because I started working with resin as well and I, I'm loving it. So oh, these are nice. really lightweight and I really can't wear heavy earrings anymore. So I'm excited. <laughs> They're beautiful. Thank they you. are. I've been looking Thank at them too. <laughs> Thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to shout out for yourself? I know as we just mentioned jewelry yeah oh well, I mean really I just want to thank you for you know taking the time to read my book you know it really means a lot I mean, that book was you know it's definitely personal you know as far as you know what my experience was working at the hotel and a lot of my personal life too I included um mm-hmm. but you know it just feels good when you when you have you know feedback and you guys you know I just right away it seemed like you had a really good vibe and I just knew it would be a good interview. So I appreciate like meeting you guys too. And I um, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been a lot of fun so far. And um, I know Kelly has been browsing your, your jewelry page, which we'll definitely link. We'll make sure that our listeners can check it out as well. Yeah. Thank you. I think, I think did somebody order something today? I may have. I think so. Yeah. I, I may or may not have seen that. I may or may not be wearing something that you might be like, you know, getting mail soon. So <laughs> I'm always told, loaded with my jewelry. <laughs> yeah, I told Sam that I was like, okay, I'm I'm making sure that Zoom will record all of us, but also I'm on Amy's jewelry store and I brought bought us friendship bracelets. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate every order, and it truly is, you know, a passion of mine. Like, you know, I've been making jewelry for like almost 20 years at this point. No, actually, mm-hmm. it, could, it could be longer than that now. You know, and this year design something I just really like to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, when I'm living a creative life. Oh, absolutely. And so jewelry and interior design are Amy's true passions. So if you're able to support her, please do. Her jewelry is available at, through her Instagram bio. That's exactly how I got our friendship bracelets. Links you right to her website. And if you live in West Hollywood and you don't like what your kitchen looks like, call Amy and she will make it beautiful. And she also sells candles as well as her jewelry. So you're really multi-talented. Thank you. And we just want to thank you for your time, Amy. It was a pleasure reading your book and then telling your story on the podcast and to be met so kindly by you agreeing to do this interview. All all you guys, all y'all buy behind the door anywhere you can get it, either hard copy or digital, it is worth it. And I hope we did all your hard work justice. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for listening to Have You Heard About This Case. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Have You Heard About This Case Pod, on TikTok at HYHATC, or you can email us at Have You Heard About This Case at gmail.com. Thank you, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. All Thank right. you so much for joining us, Amy. This was wonderful. Oh, I hope that my 
dog. Here he is. I mean, he was getting yeah. really, oh, he was getting really mad. <laughs> is that is that Goose or is that Maverick? This is Maverick. Oh, Maverick. Yeah, Arthur. Maverick. Oh, cute. <laughs> uh, he, he gets a little whiny, so I think <laughs> next time I'll let all of my mom over. There. Well, thanks, guys. So when will this be aired? Um, n- not this. Um, coming. let me bring up the calendar. Um, this will be the twenty fifth. Okay. Well, so will you send me the thing, or how, how will I listen? To it? Yeah, we'll we can send, send you a you. link. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. thank you, and you guys stay warm wherever you are. I know it's something oh. cooler than where I am. I We're in this cold. like bizarre, like it's gonna storm. But it's raining, and I don't know what's happening stay in. <laughs> right stay now. In. Yeah. Right. All right. Oh. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You have a good day. Bye. Welcome.